0: In November of 1980, Wayne Hayes, an Arkansas police detective with the Major Crimes Unit, investigates the mysterious disappearance of two children, Will and Julie Purcell. Using his tracking skills, Hayes manages to find a dead boy in a nearby cave, his body neatly arranged with arms folded and fingers steepled. Leading to the sight of the body, Hayes discovered crude dolls made of corn silk and husk. Julie remains missing. Aided by his partner, Roland West, Hayes investigates several possible suspects, the children's parents, a cousin that has recently stayed at the family, a local man that salvages scrap for money, some loners from the high school, as well as a known pedophile. None of the leads turn up anything conclusive. In 1990, Hayes, now a desk cop, is called in to give a deposition for a reopening of the 1980s disappearance. We find out his investigation led to a conviction, but we don't know of whom. We do know that new evidence has come to light that might lead to the reversal of the conviction. Hayes is initially angry that a decade later his police work is coming undone, but one of the attorneys reveals a vital new piece of information. Julie Parcell's fingerprints have shown up at a recent break-in of an Oklahoma Walgreens, meaning that Julie is still alive and in the wind. In 2015, the elderly Hayes suffers from dementia, but is nevertheless contacted by a true crime television show hoping to interview him about the Purcell mystery. Using his son, extensive notes, and a voice recorder, Hayes attempts to piece together his fragmented memory and find out any new information this journalist has uncovered. Working the case again seems to be improving his memory, but we end the two episodes with Hayes shocked to find himself outside the burned-out old Purcell residence late at night wearing only his bathrobe.
1: Welcome to the world we deserve—the officially unofficial podcast for True Detective on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. I really stumbled through that intro. It's been three <laughs> and a half years. Give me a break. Give me a break. What do you think of season three, episodes one and two?
0: I I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I thought it was a lot like immediately more interesting and engaging than like se- season two, which I think that I you know season two had enough w- WTF stuff in it uh, that you kind of hooked me in the first uh, episode. But I like the characters. I like the setting. I thought um, it gave me kind of those season one vibes that, if I'm honest, is kind of like more of what I'm looking for. I really like to return to like this kind of rural uh, setting that feels like it's got a lot more like, you know, creepy possibilities than 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 Los Angeles. And uh, there's some things I wasn't quite sure about Uh, there. I, I, I found myself really. Having so many questions About just innate Like it, it's, it's surprising Two hours in How little we know uh, Like you know There's a rig- There was a conviction In the original case And we don't know Who it is or what And uh-huh. but it's being overturned And then 2015 we find out like all this other stuff and uh, about the, this guy's family life and what's happened to it and uh, there it's it's all this kind of hearsay and you in the middle there's this guy that's suffering these memory problems that's in three different time frames trying to recount the story and it, i i think it's it's an interesting way to tell it what did you think
1: yeah no i'm i'm all in on kind of the conceit of this season the central theme of memory loss uh that's awesome i think man ali
0: uh, Mahershala I think is how you say his first name yeah I, I that's way easy to say Mahershala is way or <laughs> whatever I was struggling so yeah thank yeah. you Nick Pizzolatto for teaching me how to say Mr. Ali's name he is just
1: absolutely crushing this role yeah like th- I can't believe how good the acting is and how subtle it is mm-hmm. like he, he's just like doing things with his eyes there's that one scene um, where he finds the boy's yes. body I couldn't believe how affecting that scene was because I've seen, you know, but the, the finding of bodies many, many times before. Right. I think it comes down to the soundtrack, which has been amazing so far. Yeah. Uh, very much a, a season one vibe from it uh, and his acting, which is right. incredible. And I'm I'm 100% getting a season one aesthetic from this whole thing, from yeah. the colors used in the intro, the song, the just the soundtrack, like I said, the setting, everything. The extrajudicial beatings and violence. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, Which always makes me cringe, even if it's a pedophile. Dude, I know. Like, I know.
0: We'll talk. About, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah. No, I. In fact, it, it. It. I guess you could almost say it's in danger of feeling too much like. Like yeah. in fact, I'm actu- I. I'm actually surprised at how different or, or how much I guess uh, uh, Ali's race comes into play uh, because you. You know, famously. Uh, this is supposed to be two white cops. It's like the first season. And uh, Mahershala convinced uh, Pizzolatto, like we said last week, by showing him pictures. Look at my family. There are police officers there in this, in, in this, in this broad area. Mm-hmm. And because I thought, like, well, this might just be a palette swap. Or, yeah, the guy's black, but that's really, like, the fact that he's a black man is the only thing that's pertinent to it. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, you know, it's clear that he went back and rewrote a lot of this stuff. Because there's a lot of... You know, tension in that role in his society and even like within himself, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think I thought was interesting. So I was afraid that it was going to be kind of like just like a palette swap. Mm -hmm. You know, like a video, like you reused a video. Oh, uh, this thing, uh, you're fighting uh, this brown creature with a red belt. Now you're fighting a yellow creature with a blue belt. It moves twice as fast, but it's totally different. Uh I felt like that was what we're going to get with this, this Hayes character, but it felt like that Pizzolato really took the time to to come up with a whole other spin and um, I'm glad because I could really see this feeling like a retread without that extra kind of like little twist to it Mm -hmm. you know
1: yeah I'm curious to see just how far they go with that aspect Um, because so far what I've seen of it could still be sort of a palette swap like it's an intricate palette swap right Mm -hmm. like you changed about 10 to 15 different colors right but really so far all it's been is just a few bits of dialogue here mm-hmm. and there, right? Like I'm waiting for the plot to be affected. I think it will mm-hmm. uh, later on. I've seen some stuff, you know, in the trailers that yeah,
0: indicates that. Yeah, you're right. The the so far the plot hasn't been affected. The characterization and the character has, but the the plot mechanics themselves. Yeah, I, I can I can I can see what you're saying there. And
1: maybe it doesn't. I I don't know if it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if that's one of the central things he's going
0: for here, then probably should be. Uh, okay. Do we want to kind of move into? the discussion proper now uh yeah that sounds good to me
1: i will say i'm gonna have to watch this show with subtitles and i can't remember if i had to do that with season one probably uh but the dialogue in the show is just so uh it's very natural because a lot of people don't speak very clearly when they speak or speak loudly
0: enough and yeah it it feels real but it's also very hard to hear and understand right when they're trying to be kind of like that low macho whisper it's it's yeah, yeah
1: I, I which sucks because i, I want to be looking at the actor i want to yeah, be yeah, seeing yeah. what's going on on screen catching yeah. the clues but i got to look down at the i typically
0: do my first watch without subtitles and just i'm cool with missing something here especially if we're not doing <laughs> okay. instant takes but like all uh-huh. subsequent i turn the i turn the uh captions on but I also don't mind listening to my TV at ear-splitting levels, too. Yeah. <laughs> I found, hey, everybody, I want to take a little time to talk about what's going on here at Bald Move this week. Uh, we started doing this thing on Mondays where we're doing a, a TV and movie preview where we uh, look at what is coming out on television this week. We watch trailers and debate whether we should watch it and do some coverage on it. Uh, it's it's part of our effort to do more television and movie coverage this year uh, in maybe more of a lightweight format. Rather than doing deep dives on everything Which makes us being able to do deep dives On a very few things uh, We're doing it every Monday It's going to be on YouTube uh, You can check it out at youtube.com The one we did this week ...is up there, and we're going to be continuing to refine the process, and especially we're actually in between studio moves, too, and we get set up at the new place, we should be able to to up the production levels of that uh, as well. Uh, but it resulted in, we're going to be doing, uh, Netflix has got season two of their Punisher series, we're going to be doing a first look at that, where we've tried to, uh, we're going to watch like two, three... Uh, Episodes on Friday and talk about it. We're also going to be talking about season two of Star Trek Discovery. That's over on our Bald Move TV feed. Uh, You can find all that stuff on Bald Move website, baldmove.com. We're going to be looking for our uh, first run movie this this week, Glass, which is the sequel to Unbreakable, uh, and also the the sequel to Split. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, And the other big news is last year one of the coolest things we did here at Bald Move is we did a Groundhog's Day marathon. Uh, on February second, from midnight to midnight, we watched the movie Groundhog's Day twelve times in a in succession, and we did that to raise over 10000 uh, $10, dollars for the National Alliance to End Homelessness, which is a really great charity. Uh, And we did it on Twitch.tv, so we'll be doing that again this year, Twitch.tv slash Bald Move. And it's the second annual Not Quite Groundhog's Day, Groundhog's Day Marathon. It's Not Quite Groundhog's Day because for a variety of reasons, we're moving it to the following Saturday, Saturday, February 9th, from midnight to midnight. uh, We're going to be watching every Star Wars movie in chronological order, nonstop in universe chronological right in universe not like in order of release in order of when they actually occurred in the real history of the star wars universe (laughs) so uh uh, next week we'll have a like a landing page to kind of get people psyched up we'll have the full slate and the schedule um but get your caffeine tablets ready get your red bulls uh we're going to be staying up 24 hours watching star wars raising money for the national alliance again we 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 got over ten thousand last year we're also going to host like on that page we'll probably host the entirety of the stream from last year because it got it was fun it got crazy uh it it was one of the coolest things that we've been involved in and we want to do it again this year so we'll see if we can make it bigger and better uh stay tuned for more information on that and again that'll be on twitch.tv slash bald move OK, so we want to talk about in the in the way I I don't know if there's a right or wrong way to cover the show, but the way uh, we're choosing to do it is to move through uh, like the eras. Like we're going to essentially consider it in chronological order, work through material in the 80s, the 90s and the 2015. Oh, I did want to say um, before we get too far in, we kind of want to talk about Nick Pizzolatto, who hasn't been in the press a lot of late, had, had a lengthy interview with Entertainment Weekly. Uh, Which I will link those notes uh, that into the I'll link that interview to the show notes where he made a lot of bold claims. Uh, I didn't get to actually read this article, but I did see a headline from it about this unreliable narrator concept. All right. Well, I have full quotes. Okay. Um he says uh, that the interviewer says as an audience, we're obviously not being shown certain things that happen in earlier timelines and earlier episodes to maintain the mystery. But given Hayes memory problems, can we even trust the accuracy of what we're seeing or is even that unreliable and suspect? Pizzolatto said, if you're seeing it, it is reliable. I'm not playing those sorts of games of the audience where you find out uh, what you saw didn't really happen or if it was a dream or within a dream or something. So he's a reliable narrator. Now, this is what the quote—the quote that's kind of being circulated around. If you read the full quote, he goes on to say, uh, "The times when Wayne has a full-on episode of something uncanny, uh, like a hallucination that he refers to—that I think is going to happen in the future—you're going to know it." And I'm like, "So we're with an unreliable narrator. I mean, this guy's having memory yeah. problems. He's suffering from dementia. Uh, dementia. What? What the fuck? Like, he does seem like it's..." He, he I think he wants to go and say like I'm not intentionally trying to deceive you or trick you when something like when he's seeing something that's crazy like you're supposed to know it's crazy but like I, that seems like the definition of an unreliable narrator he's he's trying to I don't know he's like it he seems like really oversensitive to maybe a possible criticism of that mm-hmm. like you going to fuck with this again You going to fuck with <laughs> this with a bunch of spirals that don't mean shit again nick <laughs> like I don't know yeah no it it's hard to believe given you know that that
1: central theme of memory loss that there won't be some moments of unreliable narrator uh, happening, right. but I, I I will say, aside from like two very small moments, which I think are only meant to link us in the timelines, yeah. Um, th- th- I didn't really detect much fuckery. In the first two episodes, yeah, but it's like one of those like things. Th- where... There's a moment where the light turns off, right? Yeah. But I think that's more of like a bridge between scenes, less less what so a... than like a bridge between timelines. What about
0: when he smash cuts from his family dinner to being outside the old Scoot Mcnairy residence in his bathrobe? Like, I, I
1: think that is meant to tell you that he is suffering from dementia and has wandered. Okay, yeah, off. He had a senior moment. Uh, yeah, he had the moment where he apparently got in his car and drove to an old location. Uh, that he had been thinking about.
0: Well, in this interview, he talks yeah, about how he guess. he want because like I think that, and and there was um, there was a an episode of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, revisionist history last season that dealt with like human memory hmm. and like a lot of these police you know these true crime res- like they'll have an investigator and he'll be like I remember it, it's uh, just twenty years like it was yesterday. <laughs> bullshit that's Mm. all bullshit like this 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 uh record you have running in your head is entirely suspect (laughs) and is entirely open to being suggestible it gets reinforced by your own biases it can get be influenced by conversations you have foods you eat smells you smell like it's ridiculous that we rely on human memory for anything but like
1: i just watched uh episode seven of season 13 of always sunny yeah and that that is maybe the most accurate depiction of memory I've okay, ever okay. seen.
0: <laughs> Which one is that? Which
1: one is that? And that's the one where they're they're doing a clip show oh, that turns oh, into yes, it just yes.
0: spirals downward. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. And, and that I, is I, like I don't, I don't remember going down like that. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like a lot of these shows treat these like memories of like like oh I remember yeah. something for fifteen years ago and it's, and and I feel like that maybe Pizolato is trying to, like. Poke holes in that a little bit like this might be the first cop shows like, well, what if people don't remember wrong and what if the wrong people go to jail? Because we know that there's some kind of wrongful conviction in this time sandwich that's happening in the 90s, I think.
1: So I think it could be interesting if he's trying to tell a story about an unreliable narrator without
0: actually using any of those tools. Yeah, like showing you how this is all going wrong, like how this suspect is being emphasized and the other one's not. And like it's going to be like we're outside watching this disaster happen. Like that would be a totally different direction that I'd kind of be down for. Yeah, no, that that would be cool. Uh, And I think there are moments where he's doing that. Like there's clearly
1: uh we'll probably talk about this more in the the future the 2015 timeline but there's a moment where he's sitting at the table with his family and he asks about the sister and he keeps getting these weird reactions every time he asks about uh is it rebecca mm, his yeah, daughter yeah,
0: his daughter there's
1: there's something happening there yeah, that like he doesn't remember
0: yeah yeah which i, I will talk and it it, also Mir mirror, mirrors kind of like scoot McNary apparently when julie he, he that julie comes back and then they get estranged or something again that we don't know the things that we don't know yet so yeah. um he also in this other interview the other thing i want to talk about is he someone asked him directly there seems to be a lot of west memphis three this this famous satanic panic case are you familiar with that uh i am now i read okay. a bunch about it because i like just a briefly summary there was this these three little boys that went missing and they got uh you know tied up and killed out in the woods and these three older teenage boys uh were accused of it and there was one that was like a little like mentally slow and the cops like you know if you've seen uh making a murder season 1 You've seen police officers essentially uh, take advantage of a person that doesn't have a completely unimpaired cognitive function to fuck them into a a false confession. Mm -hmm. And these these boys, one of them got sentenced to death and the other two put away. And almost 20 years later, DNA evidence uh, unconvicted them. And the the guy asked him because like it's down to like if you look at the mug shots of these teenagers, it even looks like the three yeah. teens mm-hmm. and the fact that there's like this like, you know, misconstrued satanic panic like, oh, you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and you're wearing a black Sabbath shirt. You must be worshiping the devil, son, which must mean you 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 anally violate and sacrifice young boys like uh, and Nick says, no, no, that's 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 essentially what they're going to we're going to move on from that pretty quick. I mean, <laughs> look, man. As an author, yeah. you have to throw in some
1: red herrings. And when right. Nick Pizzolatto lies to your face about the inspiration for this thing, yes. that's a red herring, so, and
0: you should probably examine
1: it more closely.
0: So I'm wondering, like, how much of this in the, this shit he's doing in the press is like smokescreen, and yeah. like I, it's, it seems like it's all of it because, like, if you. I mean, you just filed the serial numbers off the the West Memphis Three and put it in this first episode. <laughs> right. You can't... Like, and it, maybe that whole thing is a red herring, like, right? Like, maybe the case isn't about that, but the red herrings are just a collection of what yeah. it seems like ripped from the uh, headlines with a few things changed around, and right. I I, I don't know what to make of this guy, uh, you know, just, just going out there and, and, and bull, bullshitting to the press, but... I don't know. It could be. Uh, it, it could be like. Uh, what do they call those uh, games? Within the the um, alternative reality game, Nick mm-hmm. Pizzolatto is playing an alternate reality game where he is he's an unreliable writer. I don't know. Uh, we haven't actually gotten into the case, so we should probably start there. Mm-hmm. Um, 1980s, November seventh, ni- 1980, to be precise. Uh, this guy named Tom Purcell. Let's his kids go pedal to the park. They say they want to go visit this this new dog that this kid's got, and it's the last time they're seen. And these uh, police officers, Hayes and um, uh, Roland West, yeah, uh, are are called to in, to do the in, the initial investigation. Um, I mean, there's so much stuff that even goes on on here. Like there, we find out that Hayes is like this you know big hunter, and he likes to do things the hard way. To where he goes boar hunting with a self-made muzzle-loading gun, so he gets one shot to take out these, uh, you know, wild boars are dangerous. Yeah, they killed Robert Baratheon. Uh, they they can fuck you if you if I think he's right if you if you miss it can be your ass. They they yeah. they can and will gore you to death with those tusks. Uh, but he and he and he doesn't mind shooting rats because rats have almost killed human civilization. But he stops his partner from shooting admittedly, the saddest looking fox I've ever seen. Like, this... It, <laughs> it was a cute fox. It was... He was I wouldn't sad. shoot that fox. He was so sad. Like, if, if there was a fantastic Mr. Fox, it, it, this is a suicidally depressed it, Mr. Fox.
1: It was giving him the fox eyes. It's giving him the old
0: fox the eyes. The sad fox eyes. What... what? Do you see any kind of
1: dichotomy mm-hmm. here? I, I mean, I, I maybe see some references to season two because there are a lot of animals mentioned, of which some are the masks that they were wearing mm. in that. Because, like... It, I mean, in this scene, they mention, you know, deer and fox and rats and boars, and there's uh, like a bird head uh, ends mm-hmm. in in his office or in her office, his ex-wife's office. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a lot of stuff happening around that that I felt like was an allusion to season two, maybe not as overt as the Crooked Spiral stuff, which we'll talk about, but yeah, uh,
0: yeah that, that's what was going through my head here. Uh, and they kind of introduce us like we see in the lead up because there's like these really effective collages where you see the kids kind of like motoring to the park and they pass mm-hmm. this kid that's going to wave. and We're going to find out about him. They pass these shit birds in the Volkswagen who are these kind of loner loser older teenage boys just go out and get drunk and smoke dope at the local hangout. And you see the trash man collector and uh, all, all these characters that we're eventually going to investigate. Um, but the detective shows up to, uh, Tom's house, to Tom Purcell's house, and he's just a belligerent asshole. Uh, he doesn't want, like, the ki- the cops want to look at the kids' rooms, which seems pretty reasonable. He's like, they ain't fucking in there! They're a-. Uh, Scoot McNary, I don't know what accent he's doing, but it's like, <laughs> drunk Midwestern uh-huh. at 11 volume all the time. Yeah. And then when he hilariously when he starts crying at some of this stuff it just comes across as like kind of hilarious to me huh i think so anyway okay uh he's just like this 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 belligerent like these Mm -hmm. i i kind of feel like that the narrative of the kids is running away seemed like i might be spot on because it seems like a miserable place to be
1: yeah i i don't i don't know if that's where they're going with it maybe because like I have my suspicions on who did it, but yeah. I don't feel like we're ready to talk about that yet.
0: But that's uh, that's one of the elements. This this home life is yeah. is not great, and that's before one of the things. So they they uh, inter they 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 go in and take a look around. We find out that he's estranged from his wife, mm-hmm. and she's going to come show up real soon. Here, the detectives take a look. The, the little girl's room is like so cute; it just fucking breaks my heart. She's <laughs> she's into art, she's into kittens, she's into ponies, and they look at the kid's room. Uh, the the and he's like what eleven. 12, 12 years old 12 yeah. i think she's 10 he's 12 okay and they're they're looking and detectives detectives find some playboys which mm-hmm. you know he's about that he's about that age but more disturbingly they find a hole that's drilled through his closet that overlooks the little girl's changing area yeah
1: so here's where things get interesting because we also find out later that the cousin of the wife is staying there yeah uh or was staying there for like six months or so mm-hmm and it makes you wonder like who drilled the hole, right. whose magazines were they. Uh I I think they're the uncle or he fe- the, the quote the unquote uncle, uncle, the yeah. cousin uncle,
0: yeah. Uh who knows what that family tree
1: looks because like. Because he acknowledges, Oh yeah, I did leave behind some right. magazines. So right. those are definitely his magazines, but the hole I assume is
0: also him. Right. Which is fucked up. I mean, but you know, you don't know. It could be the little boy. That's it could be because could he's be. curious Who you know it could be the dad like i was trying to look at like the positioning of the hole like is this at kid height is this at uncle height is what like is- holster walls don't work that way does the, the, the do we actually, do, do these people think that there's like just a single layer of sheetrock like shouldn't there be at least two layers of drywall that you would like how would you do a pinhole camera through a residential wall But I'm not not talking like a literal camera, like just just like like this is this this is just a teeny tiny, like not even eighth inch hole. And it goes all the way through it. And you can you can clearly see. I don't know if it works that way. I mean, that's a maybe not. Maybe Mm. not. Although it
1: is a closet. Like maybe that maybe there's something. Maybe to there, Yeah, maybe this thing's not built to code. Maybe is it a trailer? <laughs> maybe Scoot McNary built this house. Is that possible? <laughs>
0: uh, uh it's not a trailer, no, it's an what actual What do you house. mean this isn't up to code? <laughs> I know by no code. Uh I Okay so those are some disturbing things the the yeah. wife shows up the mom shows up and they just these these people immediately devolve into this like domestic mm-hmm. you know verbal slugfest of like i deserve a laugh and well if you weren't out looking for new dick and you know this that and the other <laughs> uh, uh it's it's a bad scene and uh but again like i i feel like these people are angry and stupid but they're not criminal
1: no i don't i never got like a vibe of the parents were somehow involved in this at all
0: yeah yeah even even uh hayes says like that was their working theory for like two minutes until the mom showed up and they're like oh no 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 this is this is how this is going um it would be pretty ballsy if she did kidnap the kids and then showed up at the investigation (laughs) and was putting on this show she would be a criminal mastermind did you know that this is um one of the gummers girls it's one of uh meryl streep's daughters is it grace no no well is it
1: i have no idea no, grace
0: gummer is the one on mr robot right yeah yeah yeah. No, this is, it is her like in heavy makeup or no, something it's it's, an, it's another gummer girl i'm <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm i'm serious I, i'm summer not... summer gummer summer gummer yeah uh she probably will will we'll, if she's a bigger part of the, the case going forward we'll learn her name by next week I'll, oh, we I'll, I'll i'll promise you that um so the thing i found weird about the peephole is that is kept to themselves they oh, don't to the detectives. Yeah. They don't spring it on the dad. They don't spring it on the uncle. Mm-hmm. They're keeping that real close to the vest. I don't even know the superiors know about it. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. I don't think they told anyone. So I thought that was. I was waiting for that to come up, you know, in somewhere in his two episodes. But that's that's something. So I feel like that that might be more important than we think, since it was a big deal. But yet, you know, they're doing the whole thing like we saw in like Sharp Objects, where like here's a big deal. We're going to submarine this for a couple episodes, so you kind of forget about it, right? gotta be one of those red earrings right they haven't talked about it in three four episodes so there's one other thing in this scene that i thought
1: could be important uh-huh. and 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 i have several reasons to think so so there's one shot where they show a wall with a couple of pictures on it of yeah. the kids mm-hmm. conspicuously there is a picture missing and mm. now you could say okay maybe this is the wife and scoot mm-hmm. uh, tom has taken down the photo because he just can't stand to look at it while she's right. out doing whatever she's doing right or for dick. you could say maybe it's it's a shrine to these kids. And the photo that's supposed to be in the middle is the communion photos that we see in the trailers. Uh, so there there's a shot in the trailers of a wall, uh, like one of those mind map kind of uh-huh. detective things yeah. that that these shows love to do. Yeah. Does uh, that have
0: red yarn? Or is it isn't there? Is,
1: uh, that's mm, I couldn't tell you.
0: Okay. i forget the color of the yarn that might be off, important fresh off season two of american vandal they're, they're they they do the, <laughs> the 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 red the red yarn oh yeah is season one did this mm-hmm. it was it's all
1: over the place um but so on that wall there is a communion photo of will at the very least posed exactly like he is when ah, he's killed yeah yeah and i've got to wonder if that isn't somehow connected to the case the missing photo
0: yeah yeah. And again, that's the thing that's so interesting is like some of these interviews from Pizzolatto say essentially say that the the theme about this is unreliable and how people get things wrong. And like when an author is going for that on top of just a standard whodunit, like, oh, man, how twisted could this this plot get? Because mm. every clue you got to like I mean, I think that's probably good police procedure. Is there anything we find a clue? Doubt it. Oh you yeah, know, sure. Like, like, but I, I don't think that that happens as much as we we probably like. Cause it's, or a, like every time you're fed, yeah. some kind of any data. Yeah, you got to side
1: eye. It should be the bit.
0: opposite of a Reddit for uh, a, a, a subreddit where <laughs> people take something, and just run with it. You know, you should be like, I don't know if we should. This fits together if it's consistent. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we also get one of the first kind of a trippy visuals around this time where. Uh he's outside the house and he's he's looking for clues and he looks in a mud pud- puddle and we see the the giant full moon and it shuts off what snaps him back to present day where one of the the big fill lights is uh at the studio is like turned off or done something screwy. Mm-hmm. Um okay, so here's something that like I actually did just on my own like they they assert that it's november 7th you know 1980 and there's it's the death of steve mcqueen and he talks it, about oh i remember the moon the, the full moon yeah and i actually looked and that you can you, you know the moon is a thing that you can calculate its phases back essentially to the beginning of the, the solar system and uh-huh. <laughs> millions of years ahead of time uh and there, it was not only not a full moon; it was a new moon, yeah. which is which is no moon. It means the moon the, is just dark. The most sliverest of slivers, right? I mean, sometimes it's just it's just fucking yeah. Sometimes dark. it's not even there. Uh, so, is that a production mistake? is that a piece of unreliable narration and like and i think and and i I didn't think much of it the first time but the second time i was watching it and and the moon shuts off Mm -hmm. um i'm like i wonder if that's supposed to like hey you should pay attention to this that like this is supposed to show that maybe he's got he's off on the dates he's 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 confusing this with another case like i'm i i'm not sure but i wonder if there's something there yeah i I would say there's got to be although Uh, someone said that that was not the moon it was actually like a street light
1: yeah but you see the the patterns of the moon
0: yeah Overlaid on top too. of it
1: like th- there's a very very clear shot of a full moon uh-huh uh in all of its glory i don't know how you could ever say look at that shot and say it is just a street lamp so
0: here's the other thing that i thought was interesting if you go with this theory at the very the the very last scene of the first episode we guy goes hey and this is crucial because if you've ever been out a night when there's a full moon you can f- you can fucking read a book by that light it's mm-hmm. so bright yeah uh if you go out in a new moon like this is something that's if you go out in like a place that's way deep in the woods and there's no moon at all it's fucking pitch black like you wouldn't believe so as he's walking out to the woods the guy says hey it's too dark it's already too dark to continue looking for the girl because at this point they found the body mm-hmm. and he goes i don't care and as he walks the d- like he's originally got like full moon light and he's got his flashlight but there's a digital effect that that takes the light down and all you can see is his flashlight Hmm. i wonder if that's suggestive that like you know again he didn't have the full moon's illumination or again this could be me completely running with this crazy astrological theory no i think there's something to
1: it They, they make such a point of mentioning the moon and that being the thing that he remembers
0: but we know that his memory is shit so right uh the next kind of vignette we get is the uh officers going to the school and sweating these kind of narr- these these teenage ne'er-do-wells uh that are you know kind of the the, the three that we talked about the, the analogs and there's like the older kid and he's like completely full of shit he's not even admitting like oh no sir we weren't drinking and we were home by curfew and all this other stuff there's another kid that maybe seems like he's not quite as savvy and he admits to seeing the kids at the park, and there was kids playing the fireworks. And um, uh, Roland kind of presses him a little bit about uh, this, you know, his Black Sabbath shirt he's he's wearing, uh, but nothing really kind of uh, goes anywhere. But it does show how uh, Hayes meets uh, this female teacher, Amelia.
1: And before we get to Amelia, there's also a scene of the kids on the playground at school. Uh, that long haired. Uh, more put together kid, mm-hmm. threatening or mm, or grabbing right. the other kid who was right. a little less sure by the collar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seemingly angry about something, but we don't get any audio from that. We we don't know why they were doing
0: that. Yeah, uh, is he the kid in the, in the back seat, or is he? The, I, I think he's that's also think, the kid in the back seat, right? I think so. Yeah. Which uh, I was horrified to find out this Volkswagen doesn't have any headrests. This is a fucking. Hmm. Whiplash, whiplash Central city yeah. like the fucking forget your leather man get get a headrest <laughs> you get rear-ended and you're all going to be paralyzed from the neck down uh-huh. um no
1: they're headbangers they can take it that's true they can they've absolutely been, take it man they've, they've been training <laughs> for that moment for their whole lives
0: <laughs> they have they have <laughs> um so hayes gets with his teacher amelia and they kind of commiserate about a couple things she gives him like the the lowdown about the the students um, like, Will is really smart. Uh, she doesn't think those older boys are really trouble. They're just kind of loners, don't know how to talk to girls, etc. Um, and they're kind of more outcast than anything. But they also commiserate about being uh black people in some kind of position of authority in white america in a very subtle and well written scene i thought yeah like they never say it explicitly but Cause they, cause don't they have wouldn't to. have to yeah it's like you know if you uh it, I, I meant i i don't i don't i can't pretend what that would feel like but mm-hmm. i imagine like if you're an american in a foreign country and you just happen to hear english and like you don't have to have a big conversation you can probably just commiserate about some basic stuff and move on <laughs> um but i thought yeah it did seem it did seem very natural and Mm -hmm. uh they also there also is a bit of a spark there um but also a little bit of hesitance because you also find out that she's got a i think you later find out she's got a white boyfriend right I assume that's her boyfriend, yeah. Yeah, apparently it's not an impediment to their uh, relationship blossoming, but uh, there's a guy yeah. whose heart's about to be broken <laughs> sometime between November 1980 and May of 1990. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, so then they decide to go to the trash guy's house, mm-hmm. and apparently he doesn't lock his doors, so the police just let themselves in and start yeah, poking around. Just a, I guess it's just an entering, not a breaking an entering. <laughs> I do think, though, like, I... So I, I, I the, some of this police work kind of bothered me because I'm like, well, nothing you find is going to be useful in a court of yeah. law. and They like, don't care. Hey, at this point, hey, they want to find the kids, man. Yeah. Like if they put some guy away, great. But like it's still within 24 hours, they need to find his kids. So I'm like, OK, this this actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and we find out from this essentially that this this trash man uh, was in Vietnam like all of these guys were mm-hmm. uh, Hayes and Roland Uh, He had at one point a young wife and some kids And they kind of ponder about Like you know what war does to you And some guy you know like Roland says Hey I know some guys that came back and One guy got in a bar fight and he's in jail And some guys have trouble adjusting So they're kind of setting this up with this character
1: Yeah and he asks him have you ever been in a place where you can't Stay and you can't leave at the same time Mm -hmm. Uh that very much Feels to me like It describes so much about Uh Wayne in, in this show because he, you know, he probably has some PTSD or at the very, the very least this, uh, native American guy does. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's dealing with it, but it's not easy. Um, and he feels stuck. There's also a lot of that around scoot and the kidnapping, like, Mm -hmm. Uh, Tom very much feels stuck where he doesn't know if his daughter is alive or dead. Yeah. He just wants to know so he can fucking sleep. Right. He can't sleep. He can't stay awake. Like, none of this is making any sense to him. Right. And I feel like there are a lot of allegories uh, for, you know, that that feeling of being stuck. Yeah. In this show. I
0: think we can conclusively say that at least Hayes has PTSD because you mentioned his performance about finding the kid in in the tunnel and we're about to find this out. Ah. Um yeah uh, his his partner mentions cuz the cops like you know we're all going this way this guy is walking down his lonely gravel aisle what's his deal and he explains that this guy is a larp long range reconnaissance patrol in Vietnam which are these guys that would go out and do like recon and scouting work alone sometimes in small groups uh for like weeks at a time and uh, i read an article about these guys in Vietnam and uh i did there there's i guess there's i'm not sure which because they, the the army the army had a division of these guys and the marines also had one and they differed in like their tactics and stuff but the army in particular they were ch- like sent out there to out guerrilla the guerrillas hmm. like go out in small units and like rack like encourage to rack up enormous body counts and some of these very small units like racked up over 1000 kills uh, during this war um, so this guy is you're supposed to understand he's like capable he's dangerous um, and he also mentioned doing tunnel work like, where they would, you know, if you've seen Forrest Gump, when Lieutenant Dan sends Forrest into a hole with a flashlight and, a, and a, a pistol, it's like they had these underground warrens, the, the Viet Cong, where they could move men and supplies, and you'd send mm-hmm. GEIs down there. It's very claustrophobic, and if there was any fighting, it would be very intense and bloody. And when he saw that he had to go in a cave, he mentions later on that, like, I started, you know, and, and that's what I thought was really impressive about that performance. It's not just a cop finding a dead body. And it was also this guy trying to fight through this, this, you know, relived sensation and like the horror and dread and all that. And yeah, like, I don't know what that looks like in real life, but I bet it looks a lot like what what Mr. Ali was doing. Yeah, he also mentions later on in a scene with, uh,
1: uh, fuck, it starts with an A, Amelia, mm-hmm. uh, that he wears a clip on tie because he's preoccupied with being right. strangled
0: uh by his own tie so right clearly some some damage there um so that's um that's it for this the the 1980s stuff in this episode oh, i got uh, one more thing to talk about that might oh. be well because we still got to clue. go through the 90s and 20s
1: the, the yeah the yeah so it okay. happens when they search the house it's finding that D book oh uh, right forests of lang right uh so apparently that's not a real book okay but it is conspicuously zoomed in on. We see the title. They want us to know it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leng is actually something from Lovecraft's writings. It's it's a cold, arid plateau mm-hmm. uh, that is described in his books, and it's been used by a lot of horror writers um, in subsequent years. Like Stephen King leans pretty heavily on that. Uh, the Ozarks, I guess, which is we're pretty close to the Ozarks here um, in this setting, mm-hmm. is a, is a plateau. Yeah uh so there's like some kind of connection there now that he obviously the forest i I don't know what the forest connection is although the, the ozarks are pretty heavily wooded in places right so maybe there's some of that um it's it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on and it's the only real bleeding over from like season one's occult kind of stuff that I saw other than, like, maybe the the West Memphis 3. Right. They also,
0: um, so you mentioned this is, like, a, a Stephen King reference, too? Yeah. Because, like, I can't help but note that Roland is also the star title character from The Gunslinger. Right. Uh, so, like, I wonder if there's other kind of Stephen, like, is this a Castle Rock kind of thing where it's, uh um they're actually going to draw really heavily from that stuff or is this like an homage to another guy who's written like suspense and 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 uh, psychological shit or I, I i don't know it's a good question i really don't know at this point what
1: that book is trying
0: to tell us yeah
1: other than kind of matchy matchy with the setting
0: a right. little bit um speaking of that we talked a lot about uh uh maherchala steven Dorf. yeah uh, we the, talked the blue cigarettes, the blue uh, cigarettes, commercial guy, vampire yeah. boy. <laughs> he, <laughs> right played, yeah. He's playing a part. I mean, he's really playing a character here. Yeah, he's nailing it too. Uh, he's got this like this kind of like lantern jawed, thin lips, like you know, sleazy disgust, and uh, like they also did mention he's like mo- motor pool. And I did a little bit of kicking around and that. That's uh, those are the guys that take care of the the machinery of war. But like, I guess I have a reputation in the service of being like the the burnouts and the 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 the, the dumbo's. Uh, <laughs> okay. And like I said, if you guys are motor pool, and this is a wild mischaracterization. But almost like I got from like reading around these sites that like it's something like the way the marines are kind of proud of being stiff neck belligerent assholes. Like that the motor pool kind of takes a perverse pride in like you know being seen as a bunch of dumb grease monkeys.
1: So is that is there any connection to Tom in in that like? we see that his job uh is basically some kind of yeah, metalworking yeah. fabrication I job it,
0: yeah like him and uh, roland will like somehow bond over that uh, the their shared yeah. grease monkey statuses oh, can i just say it is really cruel of nick pizzolato to name
1: the place where tom works wilson <laughs> wilson fabricators <sighs> right oh, so Well, they tried to cruel. put him on
0: leave he tried they to did. put him on leave they did
1: but anyway, but yeah, that, okay, that's an interesting, but interesting he, catch. Maybe some parallels
0: because he's playing that. Because I do think that they're, I don't know, he's not a, he's not a dumb guy, but no. he does seem like he's less curious about things in general, or doesn't think about life's philosophies or something a little bit. And so I, I don't know how much uh, Pizolato is pulling that part of in his character. Again, you know, I, I did like thirty minutes of just kind of reading inter-service rivalry bullshit about the Motor Pool. <laughs> uh, which can be entertaining. Mm-hmm. So we flack- we, we move to the 90s, and we're finding out that Hayes is being called in by one of the prosecutors that worked the original case, who is now advanced, as you would imagine. And he's working with another prosecutor, and they are depositioning him about this old case, which he immediately says, You're trying to overturn the conviction. And he's angry that, like, this police work's being undone, but he trusts this guy enough that he says, look, if you sit through a whole day with us, I will ge- I will take you out to drink and we will we'll talk about this. Yeah. Uh, and towards the end of the episode, he drops the bomb that uh, Julie Purcell, who we've assumed has been dead, and I think he did too, they recently found her fingerprints in a robbery in a Walgreens pharmacy in Oklahoma,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which, you know, is some pretty pretty new shit to come to light. Uh and then in 2015 we find out that Hayes at this point is suffering from dementia. Uh it's May 20th, 19 or 2015. Uh, and he is using like this voice recorder kind of in a very memento way to take notes to remind himself of what 's going on and we find out that there 's this news crew, this journalist crew that 's going to go in there uh and and interview him about this case, and he is trying to find out what they know he 's kind of trying to play them uh because he 's still in his head, even in this degraded way, kind of like working working the case yeah, and then so the other thing on that
1: tape uh is him reminding himself there 's a gun in his side table
0: oh it was a gun i thought it was the toenail clippers <laughs> remember to clip your you, toenails you know, imagine if you're if you have memory problems like how often do you see your feet? like holy shit these things i gotta cut them and then you put socks on and you forget And next thing you know they're six inches long so i thought it was just yeah no, i thought it was be. a health and hygiene thing but the gun also makes it in retrospect yeah, maybe more sense maybe more sense yeah uh, yeah, yeah i what it? What would the
1: gun be for? Would it be to take his own life? Would it be to protect himself from someone he knows might do him harm? Uh, would it? Would it aid him in figuring out this case once and for all? What? What was your I, impression of that?
0: Man, I so I got to put my cards on the table. My grandfather passed away, um, n- not the one who did it recently, but like twenty years ago. And um, I mean, he died of other things, but he had Alzheimer's for like five years, and it got really bad. Yeah. Uh, But one incident I can remember, uh, I overheard my mom and dad talking about it um, because dad brought home all the guns one day. And apparently my grandfather, like they like Alzheimer's patients um, and a lot of people that have dementia have these like moments of lucidity where for whatever reason, the neurons fire and they're like, oh, shit, not only am I myself again, but I'm also aware that I've not been myself. And I guess granddad is in a basement. He was cradling a shotgun and said and he asked my dad's like, why shouldn't I just go out in the woods and blow my head off? Like what? And so I think that that's kind of like what you're supposed to understand that like if this gets to be too much, like if you're mm-hmm. if, if there's no more hope and, and you can't do this last thing you're trying to do, then there's always this. Yeah, that's how I read it, too.
1: Yeah. Um, but but I think paired with, you know, that that concept of like find out what they know. Right. That seems almost, like, nefarious in some weird way. Right. Uh, So maybe you could link the two things? Because,
0: like, there's also a possibility that he's trying... Because we see these guys do... We've talked about this extrajudicial stuff. We'll get into the next episode. But, like, there's this idea that the paranoia and the fear in the town and the pressure to close this case is causing them to maybe shade outside the lines. And maybe there is... He's being so wily because he himself has something he's trying to cover up. Yeah. Or maybe cover Wh- up for his partner. Which makes me
1: wonder what the hell happened at, like, the funeral of his wife. What what the hell happened right. with the burnt down house in the end of the next episode? Also, like-
0: Roland and he seems to be estranged. Because yeah. in the next episode, in the 90s, he's talking to his uh, this 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 former prosecutor who's now, uh, I don't know, maybe he's a state attorney general. I don't know. His old the boss DA? is definitely I think the state I attorney. Say he's the DA, yeah. Um, I, the, the old guy, the, the Kent guy, is now the state attorney general. Yeah. But they mentioned that uh, Roland has done well for himself, mm-hmm. and they both kind of like said, but not in a way that like you're happy for him. Like in a way like this guy got away with something or. I got a little bit of that, like, ambivalence or maybe even hostility. Like, there's, there's, there's been a lot of falling out with this guy. Is, is Rowling going to get the credit for solving this case and then ride that up the chain? Especially if he's bullshit. I could see that being a possibility. B- simply
1: because, like, Wayne is a black man and they won't give him yeah. the credit. They won't
0: listen to his story. Like, yeah. there's a lot of that tied in. Yeah. So, we also find out that in early goings, why these journalists is getting, like, the cameras and everything set up. She's mentioned that his wife wrote what's called a classic of literary nonfiction about this case uh that he's never read mm-hmm. and then as they're gearing up to start the interview he gets uh stressed out by the memory of uh, going to search for this little girl and says he has to stop for the day mm-hmm. uh and that's the that's the first episode uh if you want to roll just keep rolling on to the second one yeah all right so 1980s uh, they are doing their interviews. They're doing their basic police work, as he says. They interview uh, everyone that works at Wilson Body Works, and there's like I guess this is the place that like builds parts for school buses and it employs like a hundred town people. Um, they also interview it looks like some um, I don't know Americana shops or pawn shops, trying to find information on what these these dolls could be. But yeah. I found this kind of dumb because like everyone knows like if you've lived in the Midwest I don't know if this is a regional thing or not but everyone's seen these corn silk dolls mm-hmm. like I, I, I found it kind of unrealistic to people like what the hell could these things be what the hell are you don't you see much state yeah they're fucking they're fucking corn silk dolls man like sure they're not a symbol of pedophilia in the cult as far as I know mm. if so I need to think a lot harder about my grandmother because she had a bunch of these <laughs> in her house yeah not and until they, 2018 now they are yeah, yeah, they've, been yeah. they've been appropriated they've been appropriated I think so. Um, so they pick up uh Woodward, Woodard, which is the the Native American guy who is the trash, the you know, the guy that's that the 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 scavenges and recycles things essentially. He's a he's an environmental hero. He's he's uh here 20 years ahead of his time. Uh 30 years ahead of his time and I I mean, this guy just seemed like a decent dude. that's had a hard time readjusting to life after the war mm-hmm. and lost his family, but as he says, like yeah. look, I'm not I'm not a pedo. I'm not a bum. I've I keep my own house, and I don't make. It, I mean, I I felt like he's kind of a. I I don't I don't think that I I don't suspect this guy at all. No, uh, I think he very much
1: knows who he is, and he's a good guy, and he just he understands there's some damage there, and. Honestly, like he'd probably have a great life if he talked with a therapist for yeah, like five hours. Right? Maybe
0: get maybe get some uh, antidepressants to level yeah. him out, and talk with some people. Get a get in a veteran support group. All these things that will eventually, as society, uh, build for him. Uh, he's just again, he's a pioneer. Uh, he's 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 he was born too soon. Uh, I think he's, honestly, I think he kind of not only is a little bit of a minor red the 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 he's not even red herring. He's a light shade of pink herring. Uh, he's there to provide a foil for Hayes to talk about his war damage. You're supposed to understand sure. Hayes a little bit through this wooded prism. Mm-hmm. Um, we then go to like there's a there's like a town meeting or a press conference that uh, this Kent guy is having. Who's like a, one of the district attorneys and the, the cops are kind of working the crowd and looking if there's any seeing if anyone nervous. But Hayes is having a hard time because you can clearly see a lot of these white folk are looking up this black police officer and like. You know, oh. everyone's seen Blazing Saddles, right? Yeah, you know, it's essentially yeah, yeah. that kind of reaction. That, that that's one distraction.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't miss that, but it, I got kind of lost in him just eyeing Amelia the whole time. Because he, <laughs> he's just like
0: he has got an, on her. Yeah, the second they, like he is got. Uh, he, he's really really intently gazing at her so much so that she notices in that eyes in the back of your head kind of way yeah. and turns around yeah. and locks eyes I, with him. i can feel your eyeballs <laughs> touching me sir <laughs> right. i'm not entirely not with it but i yeah. also kind of It turns like i said it turns out she got a boyfriend that probably explains the confliction but I, the whole first episode i'm like man she's not digging this guy hitting on her and Cecily's like no no she's like i i definitely see the flirty but there's also yeah. this underlying there's then I, I think it's probably the boyfriend yeah um so they talk about there's instituted a curfew and these town folk just have this litany of what are you doing about the Devil's Den, which is is that the actual plate, the ranger station place? I, I think so. Yeah, because okay. they
1: mentioned Devil's Den State Park, which is a real thing. And you wouldn't oh, have a ranger station sure, in like sure,
0: sure. the middle of a town, right? or okay. so. so. Devil's Den is, is the ranger station is part of Devil's Den, yeah. And that's the where all the the and, and they're saying a bunch of cra- it's a, it's where uh, a bunch of the teenagers... right. And this happens in small towns, uh-huh. like you catch a kid You because some kids drinking beer and smoking dope in a park, and it's now gang activity or so. It's like it's mm-hmm. never just like kids fucking around and spraying graffiti and shit. It's always got to be something sinister with these people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um. They then th- said th- this meeting. It, I
1: don't know if you're going away from this meeting, but they did a really good job conveying that the guy uh, who was kind of leading this whole town, yeah. town meeting is very much trying to spin the story in a favorable way for himself politically. It's very political. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and it doesn't become clear till later, I think, until like they, they mention they, they just have an offhand comment about you know him running for office and stuff like that
0: right but Uh, yeah the town folks are kind of a mess because they're like blaming junkies they're blaming the gays they're blaming the native american trash man like everyone's got the theory of the case here and none of them seem likely to pan out uh i also like so most of the time when the fbi comes in to to join a local case it's just immediate sword fight dick measuring pissing competition Uh i loved that the fbi is like hey we're not here to fuck with you and the guy's like hey yeah no how can we help and like well since we're the missing persons people we'll take the missing persons you keep working on murder like i'm like holy shit did i just see two different agencies with competing jurisdictions like get along yeah that's so refreshing it's so refreshing now I wonder if, like, later they'll, like, rat fuck them or something. But, like... Maybe. Good. I liked it. I liked that. I felt I felt like... I hope that's more realistic than not. Because, like, if I was an overworked small-town sheriff and the FBI came in with all of their powers, I'd be like, thank God. Yeah. Thank God. I want to go back to harassing young people and catching speeders. This this shit's above my pay grade. But I don't know. Maybe it's, like, their the one case that they want to work their whole life. Um... They also at the funeral, they go to the funeral and they just make asses of themselves. Uh, They press this cousin Uh about the playboys and about his relationship to the family. But they don't talk about the hole in the wall where a man Uh can potentially see it all. Uh, And but they do at the very end of the interview, ask him if he has an alibi for the night of which pisses him off.
1: No, I like the tactic here. Right. Like you don't. You yeah. present the most damning evidence you have. You kind of probe around the edges. Right. See if he gives anything up uh that would connect
0: that, you know, people idea, the evidence you know you have. Right. Uh, seems like good police work. Uh they then interview uh Tom's parents, and we find out that they do not like this uh Lucy character. Uh and I kinda yeah. and, and her uh the dad is like really uncomfortable with her talking about the family's dirty laundry. Uh do you think we we'll get- I can't tell if it's just literally because of what he says it's not today i think so or if it's he
1: doesn't want them saying anything at all
0: i think it's a little bit of both i think it's more of like this is not our business and like some families are like that you know Mm -hmm. like if you know some families like if they even know that there's marital problems will pretend it doesn't exist and this dad seems very much like well you know marriage is a story and there's two people telling it and who knows versus the mom who's like oh no she's a stone cold bitch and she ain't taking care of those kids and she's running around on my son and do you think that that's just adding little color do you think that we'll interview the, the will they actually have useful information uh hmm U- useful is hard to say i think they have
1: information and i think we we will see them interviewed again Hmm. uh just later
0: I just don't see... Unless she's shacked up with some dirt bag that hadn't took an interest in their children, I don't see her being part... I don't see the well, mom as being a part of this. the suspects.
1: Oh, I, I don't think the mom is a suspect. I think she might have information on potentially... Uh, fuck, what is, what is Tom's wife's name? Lucy. Lucy. She might have information, some dirt on her. Like, I can Im- imagine a scenario in which the cousin is also the father of these children i was about yes i wanted to take that 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 would make a lot of sense in a kidnapping case if you think the father is a fuck the the husband Mm -hmm. is a fuck up and Mm -hmm. not enough of a man to 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 treat the to you know be with the woman that you want Mm -hmm. and have kids with
0: and you could that could result in a kidnapping sure uh because so murder i don't don't know if you want to murder the boy the reason you think that is because he said something about you know i've always said lucy needed a strong male but why would he hang like if they were fucking why would they hang around for like three weeks and then be gone i i don't know no there's some i mean there's a lot of missing pieces there
1: in that puzzle but it's not hard to see where the full picture could end up
0: the other thing and like i know this isn't strictly genetic but like it's one of those things where i don't know that the writers all know this but like uh tom strikes me as like maybe he's dumb or maybe he's got a substance use problem maybe he's just drunk all the time but he like him and his wife both seem like just belligerent idiot assholes uh but they talk about will and julie being like very very smart like you know will's reading at a 12th grade level which sounds impressive until you realize arkansas actually has a th- complicated 36 grade level <laughs> uh system and he's like right. way behind Uh, But he's reading at this advanced level and that the girl's quiet and thoughtful like they're the opposite of their parents. So, like, it Mm -hmm. would make sense if uh, there is, like, some Lannister blood floating in the water there. Could be. Um, So we find out late then they've got a new lead because the uh, Amelia, the teacher, has volunteered to essentially canvas the playground. Uh, while the kids are playing, and she finds one boy that conspicuously waved to the kids as they were like heading through the park. And mm-hmm. the previous episode, and he goes, "Oh yeah, I went trick or treating, and I saw Julie get a corn, a corn, one of those corn husk dolls, because uh, she met two adults that were dressed as ghosts." So he he doesn't say that. He doesn't exactly. say that he got him for he didn't say he didn't say he, right. they, There was no so There were two link.
1: different things that happened okay. here. Yes. He says a. He saw the dolls in her bag right. at the end of the night when but, they were and, all and showing her what there they had, to begin- and they, they weren't, weren't there, the there before. The other thing he said is he saw her talking at one point to two adults dressed as ghosts, or maybe adults dressed as ghosts, maybe teenagers dressed as ghosts. Maybe we don't aliens,
0: know. maybe ghosts, <laughs> maybe ghosts dressed as ghosts. So this is so I, I saw some people on the internet taking this in like what if it's the Ku Klux Klan kind of direction. I'm like, whoa, well, uh-huh. wait, I I don't. I don't think the clan was going out on Halloween night uh, in their full regalia in night, like even in 1980s Arkansas, like uh, that was kind of the nadir of their powers. Uh, so, like, I do think it's like, yeah, they're probably just dressed as ghosts. Now they might be up to no good. They might have been using that as a disguise so they could make some illicit connection with this little girl. But like, I don't think it's like the clan.
1: Yeah, but I think the important thing to remember there is these two facts, the dolls and the ghosts, are not
0: necessarily connected. Right. Not directly. Right. Right. Uh, We also know that uh, Mahershala Ali can do a killer lightsaber impersonation. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was pretty cute. Uh Uh-huh. Good way to play good cop, better cop with the kid here. Yeah, I like how the cops,
1: you know, are sort of grilling this kid, right? Yeah. And they're getting nothing because the kid is just shutting down. Yeah. Uh, And then the teacher steps in and she's able to get him to open up a little bit and trust them and then the cops kind of follow her lead right and become softer
0: and yeah they're not leaning in and like looming over him and what do you know yeah uh we then see that Tom tries to go back to work at his uh the machine shop and he's just I mean, this is a guy that doesn't fuck have the tools you. to operate in human society. Like, there's a way to do that where you come in and, like, are open to the idea that it's kind of weird that you're back to work. And when people express concern, you don't say that you're the biggest joke in the world. And you don't say fuck you to all of them and say you quit when your foreman's trying to be compact. Like, this guy just, again, he's going through a lot. Yeah. But you can tell he's the type of guy who, if he ever gets arrested by a cop, on a bad day he's probably going to get shot because he just has no idea how to de-escalate anything yeah um and i feel for him you know you you,
1: you go in and uh, like this description he has after this where they drive him home or whatever about being being stuck you know wondering is his daughter alive or dead not being able to sleep being stuck at home with this fucking thing in his head well that he needs something to
0: do that's going to take his mind off of it and even before then he's been stuck because like he said like they got married within three months of seeing each other. Yeah. She was already pregnant, mm-hmm. uh, and she seems like they've had this nightmare relationship for tw- twelve, going on thirteen years. And he's like stuck in that way too. Yeah. So this isn't the life he wanted. He, I, I do think he loves his kids though. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, this is like a like I said a a unwaking nightmare. Uh, so. They then decide – they had this idea because one of the things the kid did is they drew they drew a map of the neighborhood, and he highlighted their trick-or-treat route. Mm-hmm. So now they have a list of, like, where can we find where this kid might have had contact with these ghosts? And they pitched this idea to the, 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 the attorney that we should canvass the entire neighborhood – not with a warrant, just hey, we're trying to find these kids. You mind if we come in and take a look, we might find something, anything could be helpful. We could talk and they're like, because of the situation, a lot of these people will volunteer mm-hmm. now, the attorney doesn't like this because it's endangering I think his chance of getting a conviction and using this as, as a political stepping stone, whereas the detective just want to find just find this missing girl and he's also worried about his
1: constituency getting pissed that he's allowing this right because he might be up for reelection or whatever. Right. And And they're very like you know land rights, kind of right. I don't know, yeah, kind of people right We're Privacy. B- big on
0: that in the midwest.
1: yeah, sure, I, I get it. Uh, it's just clear that his motivations are purely political, right, not actually helping find these
0: kids. Uh, and what he wants to do is leak information to the public to like essentially crowdsourced investigation uh which is yeah. ironic giving that that's kind of what we do nowadays mm-hmm. like with with you know true crime fiction or non-fiction mm-hmm. and uh, it's funny because they introduced the concept of that happening on the it, internet exactly in 2015 which exactly. i thought was cool so um we'll we'll find out you know more more about that here a little bit later uh so roland now they're hitting some dead ends he goes to see a vice cop and. This seems like a wild situation. I think the police department is running a porno store next uh, to a truck, a truck stop, stop to bust drug dealers and lot lizard prostitutes. Yeah,
1: no, that's what I got from it. Is that something that happens? Is I, I I'm just assuming now that every porn shop that exists <laughs> yeah. must be a, a sting operation because yeah. you can't. I don't know how in 2018 you can stay in business selling physical
0: porn. All right. So they've all got to be cops, right? Right. Yeah, they're honeypots. Yeah, they're the the people that are, that are not able to get to get scrape, scrape together broadband internet
1: or don't want their still... their
0: porn habits tracked online. Ooh like yeah. pedophiles yeah if you had nothing to hide you'd look, watch it on Pornhub like everyone else you <laughs> sicko <laughs> right. you'd stream it to twitch you, you, you'd use seven proxies Hitbox, and vpns like the like the reasonable crowd does um you're written the same shit from the same dvds from 1998 <laughs> this is weird don't like it are the, are the cops making porn <laughs> to sell in these shops I don't know. Like, are they physically
1: making the DVDs? Because surely studios don't release porn on DVD anymore. I or magazines? Are there porn magazines? Physical porn?
0: I think there are those. But even Playboy didn't. Even Playboy stopped doing the nude shit. They're like went to eight. Like like leaning into. I don't know. I don't know. Because again, <laughs> I don't know the state of physical porn in twenty eighteen. Again, I've never paid for pornography because the internet has been ex- existed for my entire lifespan. So like, <laughs> yep. what the fuck uh i don't know anything about that shit if, if you if you, were, <laughs> if you were a vice cop if you were a, a poor hound <laughs> in the 1980s <laughs> right uh unless yeah so anyway uh so, so they they find out that that they, they find out that this guy's had kind of like in his back pocket this pedophile that's recently moved in the area and is going under an assumed name that you want to kind of go check him out and see what's going on because he just got out of like prison two years ago for some pretty despicable shit um uh, seducing a minor, uh carnal relations with a minor. Uh, we don't know any details about that, and we're like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, what, what are we talking about? That you know, I'm, I'm thinking like, does this guy get railroaded? This seems like kind of, but we later find out that he has, wor- he's been working as an assumed name at a child's daycare center. This guy does seem like he's just a irredeemable, like a piece of mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. Uh, no, he
1: got out and he moved to a small town to try and escape the the prying eye of the law. Yeah, and it he changed, changed s- his name and got a job where he's going to fuck kids again. It's, it's
0: and it's like, like I like I think hmm, I think pedophiles are an interesting place in society where it's so stigmatized mm-hmm. that because I do I, I've I've heard that there are effective treatments some some using drugs some using therapy some like that That you can get help but the idea of of like going and telling a professional that i'm a pedophile and i need help yeah. like even in 2019 like seems like so like these people are just like essentially fucked they have yeah. to be good and avoid temptation and uh and do it without any kind of help but on the other hand, they're also fucking kids, and yeah. that's that's there's a reason that's fucking stigmatized and anathema. So I, I kind of felt like I was like, well, maybe this guy's trying to get his life straight. But then when he find out that he's doing this other shit, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I don't know that he deserves again an extrajudicial beating. No, I still cringe when he I definitely see that. does. He's probably sounds like he's violating the terms of his parole. I absolutely, put him back in prison before he reoffends. But mm. but, but Jesus, um, do we even want to talk about more? Because they they essentially beat. Beat, a not, a beat beat the truth out of this guy they confirm his story with the person that he was working that, that he worked for and then they essentially send him back to jail and say if you tell anything about this extrajudicial beating uh we're going to have black dudes rape you to death yeah gross <laughs> really gross all around sure but it was justified because of a pedophile it's and he's a racist dark, he's, he's a racist pedophile at that so i guess the moral calculus on the show checks out um okay where I, i've kind of lost myself in just the this just needing to take a shower after this whole, this whole thing um oh he has drinks with amelia and we find out a lot of character points where is this she's the opposite of him
1: uh, in some in some ways yeah um yeah. i think she's a lot like him in some ways too uh there, there's clearly that spark that that dark spark right like uh-huh. what what is it in their psyches that drives them to do some of the the weirder mm-hmm. things they do
0: right like she goes and pretends to be another person in other towns when she checks into hotels on her assumed name yeah that's weird it's, i've never done that no it's weird but it's not like it's not illegal it's, it's not, not illegal it's it's i could see it being fun it's it's uh-huh. uh it's it's, it's 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 as weird as home it's not as weird as building a homemade muzzle loader and going out and shooting dangerous animals with it like, that's weirder, right? Or
1: wearing clip ons because you're worried about getting strangled. They're to going death. to get strangled. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like, this guy seems like he's very much uh, hyper vigilant. He's yeah. always on the lookout for something that's going to happen and trying to stay three steps ahead of it.
1: Yeah. So they, they seem a little weird in their own ways. That's where they're kind of you know, connected in but my there, mind,
0: but there, are was like, so like I'm getting the fact that this guy's a black Republican mm-hmm. and, you know, is getting that she's and a she's teacher a Democrat, and she's yeah. anti-war and that she was actually fringe black Panther at the time. Mm-hmm. Like she's in, you know, a mo- little bit more of a, a, radical political state. Uh, he hunts animals and eats their flesh. Uh, she's a vegetarian. Uh, this is very Paula Abdul opposites attract and very on point with the eighties too. So, um, what I'm saying is, uh, Mahershala Ali is an animated cat and she's paul abdul and they're opposites that are attractive.
1: why did paula fuck
0: that cat <sighs> can can a cat even consent no so i did she's, she's no. she raped this tomcat. i don't know this it's it's better it's 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 a it's a dark dark chapter in american history that we should we should turn the page on i had forgotten about it so thank you for bringing that back <laughs> up uh never forget she she also kind of starts probing in and like you know like okay you got some damage but what's going on and he confesses like i get drunk once or twice maybe three times maybe i I like to laugh and have fun uh yeah (laughs) there's a lot made about his drinking in in this first two episodes it's always arresting to me to see like these cops get like fucking stumbling knee wobbling drunk and then like hey let's go drive around (laughs) right let's also discharge our firearms in like public and you know this is very the wire shit but it still is like, damn, this is crazy behavior. And I think it's important to note that he lied about where he was that yeah. night. Yeah. He
1: because in the '90s, when they're you know reopening this investigation, he tells the cops, "Look, I, you know, I was out on cases. My partner and I were, were you know investigating
0: things. When oh. we, and then we
1: smash cut to them shooting rats and drinking oh. beer
0: in a junkyard. I thought that's just kind of him saying that like that's kind of like what they did a lot. They they fucked off a oh. lot.
1: Okay, you I know, thought it was him
0: covering his ass. Covering up, maybe, but maybe. I don't know. Uh, I've just seen so many cop shows where, like, this is just Bunk and McNulty yeah. out at the train yard, right? Yeah. This is like, I feel like if you're a murder cop, don't ever get married, don't ever have kids, just drink, just just do good work and drink yourself in an early grave. Seems like your best, like, because you're just at an interfa- You're at this impossible intersection of the worst of humanity. Yeah like i don't
1: know how people how you can relate to people with the shit you've seen
0: yeah like you can tell yourself well this is the 0.101% of humanity all you want but if that's mm-hmm. all you see and that's your job to investigate that like yeah just the sheer numbers that eventually pile up has to has to turn your heart dark mm-hmm. um but he's pissed because at this bar, when they're kind of getting to know uh, one another, that he finds that the, the 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 district attorney is is leaking the information about the neighborhood map, showing exactly who is under suspicion, exactly what they're trying to find. Like, and and he's like just flipping out about it, and he flips um, out on Dorf, uh, flips out on Roland, yes, uh, essentially turning into a
1: racial thing, which I'm I'm sure is part of it. But I felt during those scenes that that Roland had tried to to defend their position that, that he had done his best to try to convince this guy to do what they wanted him to do.
0: Well, so I think that it, I thought this was a really great conversation as well. And it felt realistic because it's, it's contrasted to um, in the same episode when he's talking to the journalist in two, 2015 and she's asking him pointed questions about, do you think that your theories were not given credence because of your race? And do you think this, oh and he's God. like, at, not only denies it, but acts like she is, talking out of her fucking head and then Uh when we actually go back we see that this is something that he did struggle with or at least was afraid was happening yeah and his like like his raw anger at that and um you could tell that roland is like taken aback like look you know like i maybe roland's not racist um but Mm -hmm. he's like kind of angry at like and pretending like he doesn't know what the guy's talking about i thought that was really an interesting way to play like you know don't like like he's getting angry he's getting angry at the implication
1: oh okay so there is a moment where yeah i think uh roland does play a little dumb and i don't know if he's playing dumb
0: or if he really just just doesn't think about that or he doesn't want to follow the the, consequences because a lot you know that's a lot of like this reactionary shit from white folk is just not wanting to follow like oh shit if the natural conclusion is all this uh, a lot of modern life is horrifying and cruel and unfair and I don't want to think about that too much. Sure, but but
1: every action I saw Roland take was was on the level with the plan that he and Wayne had come up with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like he he was arguing just as hard in that room. Like, let's fucking canvas this whole town let's figure this out
0: before this girl gets killed but as right if, if a lane. result of this this guy gets a political step up and roland gets to follow along yeah, with no, it does shitty. there is like first of all i think uh, that i think that um hayes is absolutely right that these guys probably are not taking him as serious because yeah. he's the black cop oh i agree uh and second i think that it's possible that roland is you know kind of fucking up the investigation because he doesn't want to go he doesn't want to buck buck the system and go against the grain well i know for a fact that the the
1: the i don't know if he's the da now but the the guy who's sort of the underling in the 80s of of the politician Mm -hmm. uh, he has some regrets about how this case goes yeah because when he's talking to wayne in 1990s and Mm -hmm. telling him about reopening the investigation and julie's been found uh, he says it's about time that I confronted my old boss. It's overdue. Right. So in my mind, that says we're going to see a lot more roadblocking from this guy. We're going to see a lot more sabotage of this case That that he's actually not going to question too much and not going to put up a fight on when he knows now in the 90s he should have.
0: Did he actually say that? Because I I thought he said something about like because the guy is almost like Hayes was throwing an aspersion like oh yeah your boss did this or that and he goes that hasn't been true for a long time like I haven't
1: yeah but then there's when they're in the bar and they're drinking uh-huh. and he's telling him like all the details okay after the 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 interview the deposition um he he says to him like are you sure you can go up against your old boss uh um, and he says it's over okay yeah you're right you're right um so to me that hints at like this this Power dynamic that he never he never tried to buck against, right. uh, when he knew in the moment that he should have, and I fully expect to see this this case just spiral the fucking drain because this politician right. is trying to make his moves on the next rung in the ladder.
0: Well, there's also another scene with this this conversation or confrontation with uh, Roland and Hayes about the race. Is like not only these guys under a lot of pressure, not only there's a lot of paranoia in the town that's like putting pressure on the kids' case and and, uh, and and adding to the alcohol they're also taking benzos <laughs> yeah which ben, is amphetamines benzedrine. uh-huh it's
1: apparently the first drug that introduced amphetamines yes this is the wolf of fucking wall street in <laughs> the police department here man <laughs> yeah. so like that could be good it adds to the weird like hallucination memory thing because yeah. if you stay up long enough you're oh, gonna see yeah. shit. Yeah, I, I don't know if like Ben's it Benny's will make you hallucinate on their own. But if you stay up for
0: four days, right? If, yeah, you're going to start seeing moons where streetlights. are. Sure. You yeah, know? you're going to like lose track of passage of time. Your perspective is going to be weird. You might start hallucinating. Yeah. I mean, it's... look what
1: happened to Russ Cole, right? Right. He, he saw some weird shit when he was on those
0: those drugs and just sleep deprived. Right, right. Um, so there's another little spice that's going on there. So um, Hayes and uh, his recollection is this led to nothing but pandemonium in the streets and hundreds of false tips that they had to to to, to run down. And it made the town scared and it made the detective scared, which then introduces yeah. the beating of the pedophile. Um, and then the final part of the episode, Scoot McNary, uh, Tom calls them over to his house and reveals that he has gotten an anonymous note that says do not worry julie is in a good place and safe the children should laugh do not look let go and it's one of those things where it's like uh you know someone cut letters out of the and pasted Mm -hmm. it on the page and the big thing is uh it's got kind of broken english and they misspelled the word should right right now that's got to be important yeah right like the I, only it, misspelled word it can't be as dumb as like later on they're going to see someone's diary and it's going to say <laughs> s-h-u-d like no but i think it, it indicates the intelligence level of the person writing the note right but we also don't know if this is a real lead or if this is going to be someone because we know this that, could be
1: an ill conceived prank yeah.
0: yeah like people get that's one of the reasons police don't like to delete these details is because people use it for cr- like desperate cries for attention uh-huh you know, it's the like, you know, like a little kid acting out like that happens at an adult level and you end up with false convictions and false confessions and all kinds of wasting of police uh, time uh, and investigating power. So that's how that's where we leave things in the 80s. There's a little bit of uh, work in the 90s where uh, when he was talking to his uh, former friend, I, I think that guy's name's Alan. Uh, And he says on the the, gives him more details about this Oklahoma Walgreens heist and says there's no video uh, coverage of the actual incident. They've subpoenaed like the weeks leading up to that and they haven't seen it yet. Also, these Oklahoma police are not superstars. And he openly questions whether the there is a real investigation around Julie at all. It seems like they only care about the robbery aspect of it. Um, and he asks if you've talked to Roland, he inematically says, I've got an appointment with him, and that he's done well for himself. Hmm. So, dun-dun-dun... Uh, We then go home and Wayne's kids are fucking adorable and they seem to be doing really well. They're very happy, well adjusted. His wife is as beautiful as ever. They're talking over to dinner, but you can see that he is no longer with his family. He's completely preoccupied with the case. And is that because guilt that he didn't solve it right? Guilt that they went to a false conviction, worried that they're in on something that might upend his entire career? I don't I don't know. Yeah. Is there something he did that he regrets yeah. uh, during the
1: investigation
0: and not just not solving it correctly? But right. And here's the scene. Also, we find out was... that, that her book is done and it's actually she's getting like the proof copies like she. Yeah. So so this I, I, I was first kind of like one of my first theories of this case was that she wrote this book as a result of the second time it being reopened. But she wrote this book and it had it going well before this Julie second Julie incident came up. Mm-hmm. Um. So in 2015 we see that he's having his son drive him around to different uh parts in Westfinger uh, different places like the community center that they had the press conference in and he's he's realizing that as he goes through these past experiences that his memory is getting stronger and he's remembering things. Um he also was wanting to he, he makes the 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 journalist show him like the stuff that she's got and she sh- sh- takes him to all these true crime websites where there's people that are, like, working all these different angles on the Purcell case. Uh, one that I thought was interesting is, like, she said, do you know that these corn dolls are often associated with this pedophile ring known as the Black... The, the Crooked black... the Crooked Spiral. Oh, was it the Crooked Spiral? Yeah. And he says, uh, I don't think that's right. I felt like that was a repudiation <laughs> of season one, right? Uh, just, like, everybody leaning so heavily into the psychosphere? Yeah, like, yeah. like no, that's not what's going on. Now, but but there's there's so many similarities oh yeah like yeah. this DA it was part of the case and he's now the attorney general like he's in a position of power where he could per- perhaps cover this thing up but i think the psychosphere satanic all like cthulhu shit definitely is is not going to be a thing and it really wasn't a thing in the first season too it was pretty much standard corruption with a pedophilia ring yeah. thrown into it so yeah. um you know, she asked him about the race stuff, and and he again not only denies it, but acts like someone that would want to investigate the intersectionality of marginalized groups within authoritarian and systemic racist structures is insane. See, I I felt like this was uh, this was a
1: black dude being told how important racism is by this white person oh, looking yeah. at his son and
0: going, "Can you believe this shit?" I guess I would, except for the <laughs> fact that everything else we know about him seems like he himself, and it, I don't know. Oh, if or it's like like. You, you gotta
1: like he right. tells Dorf. You, you know I fucking understand this stuff so much better than you ever will. And this lady with all of her fancy learning about yeah, I guess intersectional true. race, like, yeah, it, it came off to me as like, pff, okay, lady, yeah. sure you want to help us out? I get it, whatever. White
0: splain me racism in exactly, America. Yeah, yeah. I think he's also a little bit naturally more resistant because if it is like he's more conservative leaning or his politics, or I also think that it's probably uh, maybe you know there's a lot of complicated feelings about that like uh-huh. if you say you know if you because yeah i don't want to take i don't, I don't want to run the risk of whitesplaining racism either Fuck no but it seems like those intersections must be a lot of very co- complicated for a person to work through sure you know like if you just yeah, yeah let's just leave it at that I, I can stand behind that statement yeah uh it's complicated and he also confesses he's never read his wife's book that's why they got that. That's 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 uh. I, I, we, that's we, weird. Yeah, it's weird. He, it is because he was in it so much. Is what he says. I think it's because it's probably. I don't. Yeah, I, because I don't know his motivations. I don't think he even does. Like, is was he pushed to a point where he did something wrong and he's uncomfortable revisiting that? Is it just like again the the fact that it's like bring dredges up a bunch of negative memories? I I I don't know whether it's for virtuous reasons or or venal that he's avoiding reading these books but um he also uh, it could just be the emotional impact of the
1: that reading that book after right. his wife's death would have right yeah now, i don't know why he didn't read it when she was alive right
0: do we know why she died no not yet i don't think so either okay. we know it was about six years ago i yeah. think um, so he also says that he never stopped uh, coming up with theories about the case and then at dinner with his uh, grown son and their kids and his wife uh he mentions Rebecca, which is the, the his i guess daughter the little mm-hmm. the, the younger daughter. And they mention that she's out in L.A. playing music and she doesn't like it here. And they're kind of uncomfortable about like because he clearly doesn't remember any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then as they're trying to figure out a way to diplomatically explain it to him, he goes right back to like, oh, you should have Rebecca over again. So he's like short term memories is is even kind of a problem with this guy. Um,
1: Yeah. And it makes me think that something has happened, uh, something significant to estrange these two people,
0: the Uh, father and daughter. Yeah. But like. It also could be just dealing with the parent that's got dementia. Like yeah, that's maybe. hard. No, I, and, I believe it. And you can even see, like, as as kind as his son is trying to be to his old man, like it's very weary, wearisome to deal with uh, a person that's just not there anymore. Not yeah. not all the way there anyway. And as you know, we're kind of processing that, and his you know son's kind of like walking away from the table, is, like either hurt or angry. We just smash cut to him and his to, to him outside at night. Outside of the Purcell residence who looks like it's been burnt to the ground mm-hmm. and he's in his bathrobe looking confused So there are a lot of this shot in the series apparently because I looked through the
1: trailer Actually both trailers a little more closely They show this house from almost this exact angle multiple times So yeah. there's the first time where you know in the 80s the kids ride out I know ne- I recommend the shoe pick the shoe pick sign kept coming up Yeah, yeah it did uh, and you know if you listen to the call shoe pick is the street that they lived on mm-hmm. um so you can see the kids coming out of it in the 80s. Now, I think it's in the 90s. It's a little bit overgrown, uh, and he is back at that house. Uh, um, he's got the shorter hair, so I think it's 90s, uh, and it would make sense if it was overgrown, but it's right. still intact. Yeah. So it seems to me like it has to burn down between the 90s and 2015. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Because there's also something that comes out in the 2015 stuff that we find out that Tom Purcell had a a falling out with... with um. His Julie, that's like you know, Julie gets rec- presumably recovered at some point by law enforcement. They're reunited, and then they have a another falling out. When it would have to be after yeah the nineties. No. Yes, dead yes. Dead In deposition. between the nineties and twenty fifteen, apparently, okay. like she's been recovered and she gets estranged again. And I think that mer- mirrors a little bit of what's going on with um, hmm. you know Hayes and his daughter. Oh, I I completely missed that. <laughs> um. So that is then that's that's the episode Mm -hmm. so we we got six six more episodes to go why do you think a why do you think hbo aired both of these in one night
1: uh i think these served as a good package to kind of set up true detective i almost felt like the
0: first episode wouldn't have been enough to grab people yeah yeah, no, I think it was
1: a smart move. Um, I did feel like they they fit together nicely.
0: Or the other thing is maybe they're worried that people would really run with this. Uh, you know, some of the parallels to other cases when I think it's clear, like the the what is it the shoot the Westminster three, the <laughs> West Pennsylvania three, the, the uh, whatever that case is. Um, it does seem like that's something they're going to move off of really quickly. The West Memphis 3. Well, the thing so, I think it does, like, super effectively is yeah. set up the fates of both kids. Yes. Right?
1: So it it, it allows you to, to relax and say, okay, I know where both of these kids are. Uh-huh. Instead of like, oh, where's Julie? Where's Julie? We know she's alive. Right. Right. Is she still, we don't know if she's still alive in 2015, though. I guess it keeps us from being Scoot McNary. Right. Being Tom, like, yeah. stuck in this place of not knowing.
0: But it's so funny because, like, everything that we find out, I feel like, leads to multiple questions. Oh, yeah. Um, and I do really like this memento esque of the guy who should know everything, doesn't. Mm-hmm. And this is so, 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 this is interesting because, like, the first season, like, this this case essentially. Was solved but incorrectly, and it's something that both the two characters kind of knew but they didn't know, like, it's it kind of a dead end. Um, whereas this one, like, I think the main character thought he had it solved correctly, and now he's in a state in the future where he doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you should just sit down and write, read your, read your wife's book, dude. <laughs> maybe. Uh, Maybe so, you should know. have done that years ago. There's some people that think that Amelia's a, a prime suspect. Yeah, I don't know that I'm buying that. We're going to talk about because so we got there, some there's feedback There's a lot of people it. just
1: saying, like, she seemed fishy, and I didn't pick that up at
0: all. I think she seemed fishy because, like, there was... But there, it's the boyfriend thing, it's, like yeah, you were saying it's, earlier. It's, yeah. it's, it's, the, it's a awkward social, social situation when you have a charming man hitting on you, and maybe you can trade up, but you got a boyfriend. Like, that's just...
1: I, I think it's a little, <laughs> there's like... There's a
0: right way and wrong way to go about that situation. I, I think that being flirted
1: with or flirting with a uh-huh. police officer mm-hmm. has to be a weird thing just inherently yeah, it's like a power. Imbalance. I don't know if you're trying to play me for information that you think I have, or if this is actually a genuine connection that's forming. And I felt the trepidation around that Yeah, uh, was what she was expressing, not some yeah. like, you know, I have a, a fear
0: that, you know, this is going somewhere and I have a boyfriend, I, but I guess that could be part That's of it. That's part of it, yeah. but you're right. Like, when a cop asks you for your number, <laughs> like, is this for official purposes, officer, or yeah. extracurricular? And, like, I, you could see that kind of play out in her eyes. Yeah, I, so I, I think she's fishy in the sense that... There's more, you know, she's not a p- point of view character and we can see there's like some hesitation and some, you know, like furtive glances, but I think they're all explainable by the situation. Yeah. That we, that, that, enough, but I don't know. Could be wrong. That'd be a mind blower. Hey, I also wanted, to, before I forgot, uh, to mention that we, uh, for five years now, have been doing this uh, fake award show called The Baldies, where we talk about what is the, you know, and from Bald News' perspective, what's the best drama, comedy, actor, um, you know, there's a variety of categories. And we've, in the last few years, brought in, like, the user's kind of choice to that. Uh, So this is the phase where we get the nominations from people and we're going to be asking for like nominations for like best comedy and drama. uh, Some of the major categories to get nominations for. And if you go, if you, if you care to help us out on that or make a nomination of your own, you can go to baldies.baldmove.com if it's. If it's a show that we've already covered last year, you probably don't have to nominate it because we've already got those on the nominations. But stuff that you think we missed that deserved um, some some extra love or attention, uh, we're going to take those nominations and then turn them into a voting process where the, the users can vote on what they thought was the best of these different categories. And then we have uh, a, like a fake award show at the end of January where we do our, our takes. And we also have hours and hours of us deliberating and fighting about it. If you really want to, de- you know, because like Oscars, they say what the best movie is, but they don't tell how many people voted for it. And you don't know what the arguments. We try to be a little bit more transparent. Uh, but if you want to go to baldies.baldmove.com, B A L D I E S.baldmove.com, uh, you'll find a survey there. It takes just a minute of your time uh, to nominate. And then we'll have the, the actual uh, voting next week. So check it out. com. Man, it's been we keep saying it's been three and a half years. I I feel like that this predated the club maybe the last time we did club uh I think it has. So so yeah. if, if you don't know, we've got uh we primarily support ourselves uh through club Participation at com, and it's a way for our listeners to help support us, but they also get extra content and material. We do bonus podcasts, uh, we do spoiler filled uh, movie reviews, uh, first run movies. There's VIP sections in the forums, there's uh, ad free feeds, so you don't have to listen to us talk about the club or toothbrushes or razor blades or whatever that we might be hawking that week. Um, it's a great way to support us and get some of these bonus features. You can take a test drive of a lot of this stuff at club.baldmove.com so you can get the offering and also you can sign up for a 30-day free trial by going to club.baldmove.com. All right, feedback, big part of our podcast, true detective at baldmove.com if you've got some. Uh, there's also a forum thread each week in our forums forums.baldmove.com. First up, we have Boots on the Ground this season, Jim. Uh t- two pairs to be precise. Clay from NYC So, hey, guys, just to give you some background, uh, Nick Pizzolatto got a degree from the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville, Arkansas, where they shot most of the season. Also, my dad's a detective in the late 80s through 90s for the Fayetteville Police Department, where he worked with a cop named, wait for it, Rustin Cole. Oh, good Lord. Uh, Anyway, I thought you might find it interesting. Thanks for all the work you guys do. You're welcome. I wonder if, because Pizzolatto he's he went back to another area where he feels passionate about and this is like where he went to school and he knows a lot about this area and someone even asked him like did you think about setting, changing the setting when ozarks came out and he goes no because like this is a place i know very well and i really want to set it i wonder if he is actually familiar with this real life rust coal it has to be like you don't get that name from nowhere yeah could be you know and it's in the, the kind of times line up where he's probably in the area too so yeah, if there's any 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 other connections you got there, let us know, Clay. And Chris also chimes in, says I've lived in Arkansas since second grade, and here in Northwest Arkansas, what the local what the natives call NWA, uh, for almost 19 years. I attended law school in Fayetteville, and now live about 15 minutes away, uh, where a lot of True Detective was filmed. I'll definitely be watching this season. It's been crazy busy at work, but I'll try to provide any local context if it's relevant to the podcast coverage. That sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, uh, Murder Bear, prime suspect. Anytime you got a bear that's murdering, you, you know, you, you got you got it. Or that's, a bird or a fox. Yeah, you get, sh- you get shooken down a lot. Uh, says the interchanging of the three different timelines is interesting and very true detective. I love the almost fourth wall breaking elements of the real world affecting Hayes story. And surprise, surprise, we'll be dealing with some unreliable narrative stuff. Uh, I... I put this email in there in case we forgot to talk about the unreliable narrator mm-hmm. business, but I feel like we we covered that. And uh <laughs> I I man, his interviews, his like non denial denial or like, you know, six hundred word denial of uh, explanation of how his unreliable narrator is not an actual unreliable narrator, fascinating uh-huh. stuff. Uh Johnny Truant, did anyone find it sort of meta when Woodward, the trash man was talking about Nam and how hard it is ba- is going back to that old story after being away? It's almost like Piezalato was in the shit for season 2. <laughs> Think there's any meta narrative there, Jim? I I didn't pick up on it, but I find it pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard hard going back to it. cuz it is. It's been it's It's been a long time for an anthology series to be off the air three and a half years is is a is a long is is a really long time yeah uh a lot, of, it- a lot of
1: people are speculating that what Pizzoato needs uh to make an effective t v show a powerful t v show is time and that he didn't have that on season two no uh and that we might actually see like a true return to form here well given that
0: it's been three and a half years i saw so like most of the critics have seen the the bulk of this i think they've seen through episode six and the so um season one rotten tomatoes is in the high 80s uh season two is in the high 60s and so far this is in the high 70s so i feel like that i mean honestly i didn't think season two was terrible Mm -hmm. so like if it's a notch below season one that's still really fucking good television and Yeah, and I think it would probably lose points simply
1: for originality. Like, yeah, w- when you look at the comparisons between season one and season three, it's hard not to,
0: to dock a few points. Right, it's like Return of the Jedi. Like, really, the Death Star again? Huh. Yeah, yeah. So you know, hopefully we'll we'll have Ewoks <laughs> or the Force Awakens, the Force Awakens, <laughs> or yeah, all the mini super weapons that get destroyed by the Empire. Uh-huh. Um, Web's Inferno says, I really like the first scene between Wayne and Amelia. You, being black and living in a place that's not per- particularly diverse, I'm originally from and grew up... Good Lord. I'm originally from and grew up in Los Angeles and live in D.C. now, but lived in Salt Lake City for 2.5 years. Huh. Sounds pretty white. Yeah, yeah. Salt Lake City, Utah sounds pretty white. It's not Pepper Lake City. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's salt lake yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's there in the name. It's as wide as you can get <laughs> um there's an immediate understanding that doesn't have to be said out loud when you meet someone in the same situation when wayne said how is it here you know amelia knew exactly what he was talking about yeah. i've had a number of these conversations when i lived in utah it's like how nick is touching or i like how nick is touching on the race issues but not beating your head over with it because it's not like it can be ignored given the time and place and also it that's like yeah like it Looked natural, felt natural. I'm glad to hear it. Said uh, that does it, it does seem like that is a a thing that happens. That's why I was trying to clumsily grope for earlier, and uh, you said it perfectly there, Mister or Mrs. Inferno, Rh uh, Coop. I got a feeling the main character's wife is the killer. I got a bad vibe from her. Uh, th- She's Amelia. also. But here, here's the evidence. She's also getting involved with one of the lead investigators, and it'd be pretty easy to lead them along a desired path if you're that close to people running the case. Um, I mean, that would be wild. That would be fucking wild.
1: I, I will say, yeah, two hours in, I've not seen a single hint that would lead me down that
0: path. But maybe I'm not as perceptive as some of our listeners. Uh, Tom G from uh, West Virginia. Says, the Emmy for Outstanding Makeup for a Limited Series or Movie Non-Prosthetic goes to True Detective. I thought all three time frames of Ali looked very good. You know, it is where, like, because I read a lot of pre-coverage, and some people were like, ah, oh, fuck True Detective, and some people were like, eh, it's True Detective, but True Detective wasn't all that great to begin with, and some people were like, Return to Form, if you liked season one, you're going to like this. But a lot of people were taking shots at the makeup work. Specifically, young Ali, with his, like, uh... Uh what do you call that? More of a high rise thing? I I thought his yeah. makeup was incr I'm with Tom here. I think his makeup was incredible.
1: I, I I guess I didn't really notice the young man makeup as much. Um but that old man makeup is really good.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think it's so convincing and he's able to emote like effortlessly through it. Like yeah. it never felt like it was getting in the way. Like I've seen some uh, some age makeup get in the way of some some performers. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since they could have, you know, rolled a black don't crack and just lightly aged him and given him gray hair and boom. Right. Because I almost, the, the other thing is, I almost think he's too old. <laughs> How old is this man? Like, so so 1990 to 2015 is 25 more years. How old is he in 1990? They, they say he's 65? Sev- they say he's 70. Okay, like, so he was older. Subtitles. He was older in the past than I was giving him credit so for. So he's,
1: I think he's 34 in the 80s, in oh. 1980, 44 in 1990, and and then, twenty fifteen. I don't know if those numbers work out, but okay. those were in the subtitles. Okay, he's if he's in his,
0: but but still, he, I don't know. He looked. He, I thought he looked older, and I thought his kid looked. So his kid in the nineties was like couldn't be older than ten, right? Unless he went back in time and, preg- and pregnant his wife. Yeah, so now he's and like twenty five years thirty. Like I felt like he man, I guess that is about right. I guess May, that is about right. Maybe slightly older or slightly younger
1: rather. Maybe he's like. 32 33 does he look 32 maybe well, he
0: looked, like and he's got like he, his kids are like getting in their tins and yeah. s- so I, I don't know i felt like they they overshot everybody's age by like like they did a game of thrones or they's aged everybody up hmm. like five years from what they should have been but that's that's pretty minor but yeah the the makeup is the makeup i thought was incredible so that is what we got for this week um i will say on a content note Uh, There's a lot of television to get through by Tuesday. There's twice as much as this is already a dent show to get through. There's already there's twice as much to get through with it. Um, If uh, we mentioned this in the the preseason coverage, but if with feedback and, you know, ongoing Internet investigation like like you do with the true crime, this quote unquote true crime stuff, there is some really interesting leads that come out later this week. We might come back with a special kind of psychosphere theory an extended feedback section and we reserve the right to do that in any week and we also reserve the right to not do it if if there's nothing that's true truly uh like like really moving the case forward because that yeah. sometimes happens um yeah. so i just want to let you know that like the best way to find that out is if you subscribe to the feed or check us out on social media like at uh, bald move on facebook or twitter uh you'll you'll know immediately when those things drop if if you want to if you want to get on to start otherwise We will see you next Tuesday for coverage of the next episode. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.